is ARN. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host. Coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. Good to have you with us. It is Thursday, the 22nd day of February 2024, and this is Squirrel Chatter, a podcast dedicated to scripture, theology, history, current events, and whatever else I want to talk about. We webcast every Monday through Friday at 7.30 a.m. Mountain on X, Facebook, and Rumble, and then the audio podcast is available for download wherever you find Fine podcasts. Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Check out all the great curated podcasts that are over there. You are certain to find something worth listening to. I guarantee it. How you doing? We are almost done with the week. We got two more days. We got today and tomorrow. And I got to tell you, it's been a busy week for me. <laughs> I, I was not home hardly at all yesterday. I'm not going to be home for large chunks of today and tomorrow, Saturday, Saturday, I should actually have a, a, a day to relax. <laughs> it's just been, just been pedal to the metal here uh, this week. A lot of things to do before I uh, take off for, for ShepCon, which will be at the end of next week. Um, I, uh, I'll take off right after church on, uh, Sunday the 2nd or Sunday the 3rd and, uh, head to California where I will arrive Monday afternoon. <clears throat> it's a good, it's a good day and a half drive and I'll drive, I'll drive till midnight on Sunday. Um, my goal on Sunday is to get south of Salt Lake City. If I can get south of Salt Lake City, I don't have to deal with rush hour in the morning because I'll be going away from the city, not towards it. And uh, so I, I will see streams of cars heading into the city as I'm going out. But I want to get at least to, to Nephi, if not all the way south to Beaver. Beaver would be excellent, but that'd be that's a little long for leaving Sunday afternoon. Um I, I typically make it to Beaver if I leave in the morning on the days that I've, on the years that I've driven down the, the Friday before I'll leave very early in the morning on Friday, arrive mid afternoon Saturday. Um, but those are for the, 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 the longer four day conferences that, uh, um, or if I'm doing a pre-conference, like a couple of years ago when I did the uh, the expository workshop um, on First Timothy, Second Timothy, had to go down early for that, and then I can get to Beaver um, in a day. But uh, but my goal on Sunday will be get to get to south of Salt Lake, yeah, south of Provo, really, um, because from Ogden in the north to Provo in the south. That whole stretch of I-15 through Ogden, Salt Lake, Provo, and all the little towns in between, it's one big city. 
it's like, you know, we talk about L.A. We're talking about, you know, a huge city that fills that entire valley and indeed includes valleys to the north, south, east, and west. Um, you know, you, when you're in San Bernardino, you're in L.A. When you're in Santa Clarita, you're in L.A. Now, you're not in Los Angeles proper, but, you know, if you're running around Van Nuys, you're in L.A. So it's, it, and, and Salt Lake's the same way. Starts at Ogden, actually north of Ogden, and runs all the way down through Provo. Once you get south of Provo, you're out in the country again. You're out in the desert, actually. But uh, that's, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to Shepherd's Conference. I'm looking forward to seeing good friends and, and uh, uh, old friends and always a good time. Uh, looking forward to, I've, I've, already, I've got invitations to dinner parties and dessert parties and barbecues. And uh, because I've been going down there for so long, I know so many people. So it's, I'm looking forward to getting down there and hanging out. Um, I plan on Tuesday the 5th. If I'm not looking at a calendar. I'm just trying to guess. Tuesday the 5th, I will be volunteering at Grace to You. So if you are in the, the mail room at Grace to You, I'll see you then as we stuff envelopes and pack boxages. Pack boxes. Pack boxes. Or load packages. Packs packages. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess we're going to have another one of those days where I just make up my own language as we continue to uh, enjoy a day at Squirrel Chatter. Um, okay. I think that's verbal dyslexia. I think I, I, I firmly believe that stems from my dyslexia that I just make up words like that. Done it all my life. Nothing new. Um, nothing new, and I've always laughed at it, as has everybody else. All right, what do we got coming up today? We have our scripture reading from the Legacy Standard Bible. We have prayers from the Book of Common Prayer. We have a reading from John MacArthur's Daily Readings for the Life of Christ. And it's Thursday, so it's Theology Thursday. We are going to be starting chapter 20 of the London Baptist Confession of Faith of 1689, the second London Baptist Confession of Faith. We are in chapter 20, and it is of the gospel and the extent of grace thereof. Today is going to be an overview. We're going to read the whole chapter and might make some a few general remarks, but it's going to be next week. Actually, I don't think I'm going to dig into it next week. I think I'll do something else on Thursday because I'm going to be gone for a week. And I don't want to start digging into this and then skip a week. <clears throat> so I will do something else next Thursday. And I'm making a note of that now. We might do a, an extra day of our study Bible level Bible study. We'll, we'll do something. Might do a Thursday edition of Monday Meanderings. Who knows? But it, I'm going to hold, I'm going to read, I'm going to do the overview today. And then 
when I get back from Shepherd's Conference, we will dig into this because it's an important chapter. <clears throat> Not that any of them are unimportant, um, but this is an important chapter. Another thing coming up, either via Zoom before I go down there or when I'm down in California, um, I'm going to be interviewing Scott Christensen about his new book, um, title of which I believe is Defeating Evil. And it is a, a popular level condensed version of his big book, What About Evil, which is the best work on theodicy I think I've ever seen. Um, the, the theodicy being the problem of evil. Why, if God is good, why are bad things happening in the world? That's the 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 that's the the way the problem of evil is generally expressed <clears throat> and scott wrote several years ago a big big thick book i've got it right over here on the shelf big thick book called what is evil or what about what about evil what is evil? what about evil look back and read the title so what about evil and it's a great book, and it really deals with the subject well, but it's an academic book, and it's huge. It's not the sort of thing that, the you know, it's something for theology nerds like me. It's not the sort of thing you can give to somebody who's struggling with why did Aunt May just die of cancer? Why was Uncle Ralph killed in a car accident? You know, dealing with yeah, the 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 everyday tragedies of life and trying to understand how how this happens in a world created by a good God. And uh, so his publishers came to him and said, "Hey, we think you ought to write this same book for a popular level audience, so that there will be a book that we can hand to people when they're." struggling with these questions that'll help them search through it. And so that book comes out March 6th. Um, and I've already, I've already talked to Scott. We're going to, we're going to set up a, an interview that, that we will play here on Squirrel Chatter. Um, I'm hoping to do it. Uh, I, I've got to reach out to him. I think I'll do that today. I'm hoping to do it next week via Zoom. That way, um, it'll just be a, a better um, quality. Um, I just, I, well, the one thing is I want to have it ready to drop as soon as I get back from ShepCon. And if I record the interview down there, I'll have the delay of editing and, and all of that. But if I do it, before then, I can have it edited and everything and ready to go before I go. You know, talking about what I'm going to do next Thursday, if I can work it out, I may do the interview for next Thursday's show. I'll see what Scott's uh, schedule is. If we, can, if we can get together for Zoom and we can do it for next Thursday's show, that way the interview will be out before the book drops so that you'll have a chance to, to listen to that, to decide if this is a book that you would like to have or not. 
Um, note to self, <laughs> call Scott Christensen. <laughs> All right, there we go. I will, uh, I will work on that and see if we can't drop that. Um, Scott's a great guy. Uh, uh, and, and, and it will be, it will be a discussion worth listening to. So, um, so that's that. <laughs> All right. See, this is the way I plan the show. I just start talking to you and things come out. Mm. Coffee. Coffee is another way that God shows us that he loves us. Let us begin, as is our practice, with the prayer of confession from the 2019 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done. And apart from your grace, there is no health in us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare all those who confess their faults. Restore all those who are penitent, according to your promises declared to all people in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may now live a godly, righteous, and sober life, to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Grant to your faithful people, merciful Lord, pardon and peace, that we may be cleansed from all our sins, and serve you with a quiet mind, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and the comfort of your holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Our scripture reading today is Exodus 1 and Psalm 51. So Exodus chapter 1. Now these are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob. They came, each one, with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. And all the persons who came from the loins of Jacob were seventy in number. But Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all his brothers, and all that generation. But the sons of Israel were fruitful, and increased, and multiplied, and became exceedingly mighty, so that the land was filled with them. And a new king arose over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. And he said to his people, Behold, the people of the sons of Israel are more and mightier than we. Come, let us deal wisely with them, lest they multiply, and, and it be in every... Excuse me, lest they multiply, and it be in the event of war that they also join themselves to those who hate us and fight against us and go up from the land. So they appointed taskmasters over them to afflict them with hard labors, and they built for Pharaoh's storage cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they afflicted them, the more they multiplied, and the more they spread out, so that they were in dread of the sons of Israel. 
So the Egyptians brutally compelled the sons of Israel to slave labor. And they made their lives bitter with hard slave labor in mortar and brick and in all kinds of slave labor in the field, all their slave labor which they brutally compelled them to do. Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipporah, and the other was named Pua. And he said, When you are helping the Hebrew woman to give birth and see them in the, on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall put him to death, but if it is a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt had spoken to them, but let the boys live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this thing and let the boys live? Then the midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife can come to them. So God was good to the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very mighty. Now it happened that because the midwives feared God, he made households for them. And Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you are to cast into the Nile, and every daughter you are to keep alive. And now Psalm 51. Psalm 51. For the choir director, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Be gracious to me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the abundance of your compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and pure when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, your delight in truth, you delight in truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Purify me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will be converted to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, the God of my salvation. Then my tongue will joyfully sing of your righteousness. Open, Lord, open my lips, that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. By your favor, do good to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in righteous sacrifices, in burnt offerings and whole burnt offerings. Then young bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. And now our reading from Daily Readings from the Life of Christ by John MacArthur. 
Today's devotional is Differences in Houses. Remember, yesterday was Differences in Foundations. The rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against that house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Matthew seven twenty-five and 27. Dr. MacArthur writes, With most tasks in life, it comes down to two choices, doing it the easy, convenient way or choosing the difficult but rewarding way. In Jesus' illustration, the foolish man chooses the easy way to build his house, but the, white man, the wise man chooses the hard way. The former settles for a convenient section of sand in a desirable location, but the latter searches diligently for a rock foundation on which to build. Why is the easy way so attractive? First, it is appealing to those in a hurry who want only to please themselves. Within the church, the foolish don't care how their methods line up with God's word. They just want quick results, simply to see, simple to see and easy to measure. Thus, the foolish are satisfied with easy evangelism and cost-free discipleship. Second, people prefer the easy way because they are superficial. Such ministry requires little planning and effort and not much concern for quality results. That house is all about instant gratification rather than the enduring reward found in plumbing the spiritual depths. Jesus had another description of the superficial foolish person as who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no firm root in himself, but is only temporary. And when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately he falls away. Matthew 13, 20 and 21. By contrast, the genuine believer counts the costs, builds the wise house, and then works out his salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians 2.12 Ask yourself, think of an easy way you've taken in your life. What convinced you to do it? Think also of a time when you truly did things the right way. Examine the difference in results. All right. It's Thursday, so Theology Thursday. Chapter 20 of the Gospel and the Extent of Grace Thereof. There are four paragraphs in this chapter. Excuse me. Had a little bit of coffee go down the wrong pipe. Coffee is wonderful, but it should not be breathed. Oh, excuse me again. All right. There are four paragraphs in this chapter. Chapter 20 of the Gospel and the Extent of Grace Thereof. Paragraph 1. The covenant of works being broken by sin and made unprofitable unto life, God was pleased to give forth the promise of Christ, the seed of the woman, as the means of calling the elect and begetting in them faith and repentance. In this promise, the gospel as to the in this promise the gospel as to the substance of it was revealed and is therein sufficient uh, therein effectual for the conversion and salvation of sinners i am tripping over my words today and i apologize paragraph 2 
This promise of Christ and salvation by him is revealed only by the word of God. Neither do the works of creation or providence with the light of nature make discovery of Christ or of grace by him so much as in a general or obscure way, much less that men destitute of the revelation of him by the promise of the gospel should be enabled thereby to attain saving faith or repentance. Paragraph 3. The revelation of the gospel to sinners, made in diverse times and by sundry parts, with the addition of promises and precepts for the obedience required therein, as to the nations and persons to whom it is granted, is merely of the sovereign will and good pleasure of God, not being annexed by virtue of any promise to the due improvement of man's natural abilities, by virtue of common light received without it, with which none ever made or can do so. And therefore, in all ages, the preaching of the gospel has been granted unto persons and nations as to the extent and straightening of it in great variety according to the counsel of the will of God. That's a, a long way of saying, and we'll get to this when we break it down, that the gospel is preached to the people and nations that God has determined it would be preached to by his own will. And he has not determined that every person and every nation would yet receive a preacher. That's a hard thing, but it's absolutely true. Um, Paragraph 4. Although the gospel be the only outward means of revealing Christ and saving grace, and is, as such, abundantly sufficient thereunto, yet that men who are dead in trespasses may be born again, quickened or regenerated, there is moreover necessary an effectual, inseparable inseparable work of the Holy Spirit upon the whole soul for the producing in them a new spiritual life, without which no other means will affect their conversion unto God. And that is chapter 20 of the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. A lot here. I think you can see why I want to wait a week before we start digging into this, wait until I come back from Shepherd's Conference, because I don't want, once we start digging into this, I don't want to gap. I want to be able to to go through this in a period of four weeks, because there is a lot here, and it's important for us to understand, because this comes down to answering that great question, what about the proverbial tribesman in the jungle who has never heard the gospel? Is it possible for him to be saved? And the short answer is no. You need a preacher to proclaim the gospel. Um, During the Q&A, I think it was Sunday night, wasn't it? Yeah. During the Q&A that John MacArthur just did in an evening service at Grace to You, which has always been one of my favorite things to listen to, is when they just set set up microphones at the end of the aisles 
and church members can come up and ask John questions, and he answers them from the pulpit. And they've done that periodically for as long as I can remember. It's been a regular feature, not not every week, not every month, but from time to time, John just stands up and takes questions. And it's a it's good because you never know what's coming. <laughs> and and it's just it's a good time for the people in the church to ask what's on their hearts, the things that they're struggling with. And it could be something John said the week or two before or, you know, wrote in one of his books or um, something that, that comes up with, uh, you know, some sort of current event or something. And one of the questions that came up Sunday night was somebody was asking about, he had read an account or heard an interview about a Muslim who had had a dream about Jesus. And this dream caused him to seek out Christians who told him the gospel and he repented and believed. And this has happened. I've heard this story from all over the Middle East that somebody would have a dream about Jesus and then go seek out information, hear the gospel and believe. Um, actually watched an interview that Sean McDowell did with, uh, um, oh, what was his, Al Fadi? Um, he was a Saudi Arabian who came to the United States to study engineering and ended up, you know, was here for like 12, 15 years um, studying and then, and then working as an engineer. And he, uh, so he's here in the United States and he had been befriended by several Christian families beginning when he first came over when he just signed up for, uh, because there were, there were people that, that were interested in helping foreign students with their English, you know, you get into conversation groups. And, uh, so he had met a family that turned out to be Christian. And in the course of that, they had shared the gospel with him. Um, but eventually he came to faith, but he was talking about, he had had a, but right before he um, converted, now he'd been here, remember he'd been here 10, 12 years. He had heard the gospel multiple times and he'd been here, you know, going to church, etc. And right before he converted, he had a dream where God said to him in the dream, why have you rejected my son? Was that a prophetic dream? No. What it was, was his brain processing the things he was thinking about. Our dreams are a reflection of our thought process. You know, now, has God used prophetic dreams in the past? Absolutely. Does he do so now? No, I don't believe so. And the reason I don't believe so is Hebrews chapter 1. God has spoken to us in these last days through his son. We have the Bible. Now, I think the prophet Joel makes it clear that in the 
end times. We're in the last days, but the, the last days will culminate with the end times. That in that end time period, during the tribulation, during all of these supernatural judgments, that God again is going to send prophets to call the nations to repentance. Um, I think the, the 144,000 of Revelation are these prophets, 12,000 from each tribe of Israel. And they are going to be proclaiming the gospel to all the lands. So I, I do, and Joel says, you know, your young men are going to dream dreams and your old men are going to see visions. I'm not sure exactly. It might be the other way around. Young men see visions, old men dream dreams. That That is going to take place. Now, it was partially, partially fulfilled at Pentecost, but it will be in the end times. I think God is going to use that again. But in this present time, um. There's no prophetic revelation from God going on. This is, we have the scriptures. As Justin Peters has said, if you want to hear from God, read the Bible. If you want to hear from God out loud, read the Bible, or hear God audibly, read the Bible out loud. So, I, I you know, so the, the God isn't, when, when, when somebody has a dream about something, you know, it's 9,999.9% 9 .9 of the time, it's their own brain processing something. Um, and, and sometimes you wonder what that is. Sometimes I... For, for many, many years, I had a timer on my radio so that before my alarm went off, like half an hour before the alarm went off, my radio would come on. And I had it set to a news station. So the radio would come on and they would begin reporting on the news. And I'm still asleep. And yet, I would find the news reports seeping into my dreams in weird ways, and and things that are things that are being reported on the news are being talked about in my dreams, or, or are happening in my dreams, and and that's just because that outside influence is affecting my thoughts. I'm hearing the news even though I'm still asleep. So this man who had the the one that I that Sean McDowell interviewed, he had heard he had been around Christians for 12, 15 years. He had heard the gospel multiple times. He was coming to understand it, and his brain was starting to excuse me was starting to flip over in his head. Um, you know, what do I do with what I have learned? And he had this, this dream was part of his brain processing. And MacArthur said in the Q&A that he thinks that's what's happening with most of these situations. These are people who have heard the gospel. They've been exposed to the gospel. Their brains have been thinking about the gospel. The Holy Spirit's working on them. 
because no one can come to the Father unless the Holy Spirit draws him. Um, it is by God's providence that they have these dreams, but they're normal dreams. They're normal dreams about a subject that has been weighing on the mind of the person who has the dream. And they wake up with a strong desire to seek out someone to answer their questions. Now, that's the Holy Spirit working on the heart to draw somebody to the sun. But it doesn't have to be a miraculous dream. Does that make sense? And I think when MacArthur said that, I, I have, I'd heard these stories and I, I have tended to doubt them, but I haven't really thought about, okay, what's really going on here? And in that Q&A, I thought MacArthur laid it out really, really well. I was like, okay, this makes sense. Thinking about some of the dreams I've had about stuff that is on my mind. Um, last night, I was at youth group, Wednesday nights. And in my dreams, I was dreaming about summer camp, where I work, where I was a counselor. And I was having conversations with campers that were similar to what we talked about at youth group last night. It's just what's on my mind. Um, you know, I don't think it was prophetic about what's going to happen in June when I'm counseling at high school week at camp. But it is what's going to happen in June with what's happening when I'm counseling at high school week. Because that's my job as a counselor. So, you know, that dream wasn't prophetic. It just is my brain working on what's on my mind. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I mean, sometimes you just get weird dreams. Like I had a, I don't remember my dreams very often. Um, usually when I remember them is when the alarm clock goes off while I'm dreaming which are always the toughest days to wake up. Um, but yesterday, I, I was having a, a, a work dream. And it was a... Now, I have never owned a restaurant. I have worked at a couple um, in, in, in various capacities when I was in, in college. But I've never owned one. I've never been a manager at one. I've been a cook. I've been a janitor. I've been a dishwasher. I've never been, you know, I've never even been a waiter. Okay. Um, but uh, so, you know, you think about this, you know, why was I having a dream about owning a restaurant and having employee issues? Why was that a dream I had? Well, Monday, I was having a conversation with somebody about the state of the restaurant business. Because in the last few years, we've watched restaurant after restaurant after restaurant close down, fail to reopen after the COVID shutdown, because that shutdown put them out of business. They were not able to survive that. So, you know, multiple restaurants have been having a hard time finding employees. 
they let their staff go while they were closed down during COVID. And when they go to rehire, the staff is, they've found other jobs or decided they like not working. And so they can't get the people back. And so a lot of what has happened is you've had restaurants where the knowledge of how to do what they did has gone. Cooks that knew how to cook what they cooked there haven't trained their replacements in how to fix this recipe or do that because they moved on when the restaurant was closed and there was nobody to train. Wait staff that doesn't quite know how things are supposed to operate. And, and so you go into a restaurant and the service is bad. You go into a restaurant and the, the food's not quite what you remember. I ate at one of my favorite uh, local fast food joints. It's not a national chain. Um, yesterday for lunch, Hoagieville. This is a place that I believe goes back to the 70s. The, the Bob and Nick, the owners, are not much older than I am, maybe 8, 10 years. And I've, I know them. I've met them. I don't really know them. I've met them. But Bob and Nick started Hoagieville in, in an old A&W drive-in back in the 70s. And they, you know, that was, you know, you'd pull up to the car, pull up in a car and a car hop would come out and take your order. And then she'd bring your, and the car hops were always young women. Um, it was right over by the college campus. It was you know, high school and college women working as car hops. And uh, they always got good tips. <laughs> and they would walk over and they would bring your food out on one of those trays that hooked on your window. And, and uh, you know, it was just a great thing. And that they, they're used to, at one point there were, I want to say four or five Hoagievilles in Missoula. And then some in, in outlying towns as well. I know they had one in Hamilton. I think they had one in Great Falls. And I think they had one in Kalispell. I'm not sure. I'd have to, you know, it's, there were, there were multiple Hoagievilles. And Hoagieville had a fairly extensive menu. Their, their signature sandwich is the Hoagie. And it's a, it's a salami sandwich with Swiss cheese, lettuce, and their special blend seasoning salt. Um, it's, I mean, it's cooked in a microwave. It's not, you know, it's fast food. The taste is divine. And this is the taste of my childhood. The, the original Hoagieville was, uh, very close to the university golf course. And when I was a high school golfer, the university golf course was where we would go to practice. And so we would take, there was, there was few enough, a few of us enough that we could take the school van and the coach drove the van, regular 15 passenger van. And we would go to the golf course and we would hit balls on the driving range. We'd play, you know, practice nine holes, um, you know, depending on, on the day, what he had for us to do. And then but we went into we went into the university golf course at least once a week, usually for nine holes. You know, usually for 
It wasn't our daily practice. Our daily practice was with wiffle balls out behind the high school. <laughs> um, just not on the football field, but adjacent to it in essentially a cow pasture. <laughs> um, hey, you know, school budgets, right? You know, we didn't have, we were trying, where the, uh, the now at my old high school, they have softball and baseball and soccer fields because those are now sports that they play. At, when I was in high school, we were trying to use that space. We wanted a a, a three-hole golf course for for the golf team so that we had a place to practice without having to drive into Missoula because the, the King Ranch Golf Course in Frenchtown, which is very close to my high school, was at the time I was in high school, Bud King's Ranch. It wasn't a golf course. It was actually a ranch. And and now it's the it's been the King Ranch golf course for forty years, I imagine. But actually less than that, because this year is our fortieth high school re forty years. I've been out of high school for forty years. That's just stunning. So but back to Hogieville. The uh, we would after our practice we always pulled the van over to Hoagieville and got hoagies to go. And then we would eat them on the drive home. Hoagies and hoagie cheese fries. So this is a, a taste that has gone back in my memory for a long time. But the menu was extensive. They had, you know, burgers. They had chicken. They had fish and chips. They had steak sandwiches. They had hoagies. Of course, that was the mainstay. And milkshakes and, you know, of all different, you know, vanilla, strawberry, chocolate malts, a whole bit. Um, but it was, it was just a really good little fast food place. And like I said, at one point there was, there was four or five of them in Missoula. Um, a couple of them were in old A&W drive-ins. Um, there was one in the mall, one in... Uh, a, a former Arctic Circle location. Um, so at least four at one time. Um, there was one even in a in a hotel lobby kind of thing. Um, so they, you know, Hoagieville was was a thing. We're down to one Hoagieville. It's the one in the mall. All of the other Hoagievilles are gone. Um, and it's, it's sad, <laughs> very sad to me. Um, but yesterday I had to get my oil changed, as I mentioned. So I went over to the mall and had a hoagie. Well, the menu is much, much smaller than it used to be. A lot of the sandwiches and a lot of the options are gone. Um, you, know, you can still get your hoagie and hoagie cheese fries, which is what I had, their burgers are still there, but, but there's no fish and chips. You know, a lot of the things that, that used to be on the menu, the steak sandwiches are gone. Um, as they used to have a, one of the sandwiches was a, was a special, like I said, Bob and Nick are the owners. And one of the, one of the steak sandwiches on the menu was steak like Nick likes. <laughs> that was the name of it on the menu. It's gone. It's not there anymore. Menu is much smaller. 
Um, and, and it's a, and I think it's a testament to the fact that the, the restaurant business has changed. And I think that was what was on my mind when I had my dream of running a restaurant. I was just thinking about that because I had had that conversation on Monday. And so yesterday was Wednesday. So Tuesday night, it must've been on my mind. And I was having a dream of managing a restaurant and having trouble finding employees and trying to get the cooks to cook the recipes right. All the things that I had been talking about, not prophetic, you know, just your mind processing stuff. That's the way dreams work. Now, the post-apocalyptic survival dreams I've had, I have no idea <laughs> where that's coming from. You know, movies or TV shows I've watched or something like that. Survivalist articles I've read. But it's generally, it's just your mind pondering things while you're asleep. That, that's what fuels your dream. So when you hear about a Muslim in Iran or Saudi Arabia or, you know, somewhere who had a dream of Jesus and that dream stuck in their brain and caused them to seek out information. They heard the gospel, repented and believed. That's a normal dream and it's being used providentially by the Holy Spirit to draw that soul to Jesus. Um, because without the preaching of the word, you can't believe. So, you know, this is not happening, or we're not hearing about it happening, in remote tribes that have never heard the gospel. You know, that's, it, it's, it's just a, now, I, I, again, I'm not trying to put God in a box. <laughs> I'm just saying that you know, Scripture says, in order to hear the gospel and respond, you have to hear it, hear it preached. It's by hearing the word, specifically the word of Christ, that God regenerates souls. And so we preach, and we support missionaries, and we share the gospel, and we walk around with pockets full of gospel tracts so that we can have discussions with people and share the gospel with them. All right. It's getting late in the morning. Let us now recite our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. Excuse me. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, he was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Collect for the First Sunday in Lent. Almighty God, 
whose blessed son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan. Come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations, and as you know the weaknesses of each of us, let each one find you mighty to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. McCulloch for guidance. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of our life we may not forget you, but may remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And for the unrepentant, we pray. Merciful God, you desire not the death of sinners, but rather that they should turn to you and live. And through your only Son, you have revealed yourself as the God who pardons iniquity. Have mercy on the unrepentant and those who do not believe. Awaken in them by your word and Holy Spirit a deep sense of their sinfulness and peril. Take from them all ignorance, hardness of heart, and contempt of your word. Grant them to know and feel that there is no other name under heaven given among men by which they must be saved, but only the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so bring them home and number them among your children, that they may be yours forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. Have a marvelous Thursday. I, I hope everything goes well for you. We're almost to the end of the week. Tomorrow's Friday. That means we're one more day closer to being able to go to church on Sunday. I have choir practice tonight. Whatever you do today, do it for the glory of the Lord. Remember to do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not to do. We'll see you again tomorrow for another episode of Squirrel Chat. Take care. God bless. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.